Introducing the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. With 25 million copies in print, learn how the Don't Sweat wisdom can help you achieve greater mental health and better communicate with your family, friends, and coworkers from a beloved teacher. Rediscover your passion, joy, and self-compassion to awaken your most vibrant life. Listen in now for the Meditation and Mindfulness series featuring Christine's interviews with experts who will help you learn the best tips and advice to make meditation a routine and habit you can't live without. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. So today I've got a really special guest that I'm going to bring on, but let's go ahead and begin with our golden pause. So wherever you are, just sit comfortably. And of course, if you're driving, just pay attention to the road. This is only meant to be a deep breathing, relaxing exercise for you to focus in on your breath and just take that wonderful, peaceful pause that we all need during our day. So go ahead and begin to breathe with me. And as you breathe, breathe in through your nose, and allow your chest and your belly to expand, taking in the fullness of your breath. And as you exhale, just let yourself relax. Let your body go, let your mind relax, let your neck and your shoulders go. And this time as you breathe in, breathe in golden sunlight all the way to the tips of your fingers and toes, to the top of your head. Allow your chest and belly to expand with golden sunlight to every cell of your being. And as you exhale, let go and relax. This time as you breathe in, breathe in love. Expand your heart with love. Breathing in love to every cell of your being. And as you exhale, let go of fear. Let go of any anxiety, any tension, anything that you don't need in your body. Just let it go. This time as you breathe in and you expand in your chest and your belly, just place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart. And spend a moment in gratitude being grateful for a person, a place, a thing, something that recently happened, or you could just be feeling so grateful for this moment right here, right now. As you spend that moment in gratitude, breathing in, let go, relax, sink in, and open your eyes. Mm, It just feels so good to take that golden pause. All right, so we're going to continue on our discussion and why meditate. Um, And I'm really excited to be sharing this wonderful person with you um, that I've met through Kim Serafini and through some dear friends and just have come to love. So her name is Dina Proctor, and she's a life and business coach and inspirational speaker and a best-selling author of Madly Chasing Peace, How I Went from Hell to Happy in Nine Minutes a Day. 
After hitting emotional rock bottom, she quite unintentionally created a process called 3x3 meditation, three minutes, three times a day, that enabled her to transform every aspect of her life. From weight loss and banishing addictive cravings to reconstructing relationships, this simple yet incredibly effective method has gained the support of Jack Canfield and Bruce Lipton and is now helping thousands of others around the world improve their lives. You can find Dina Proctor at www.madlychasingpeace.com. Welcome, Dina. I'm so happy to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Dina? Oh, Christine, I, I love you. I love everything that you're doing. Yeah, can you hear me okay? I can, yeah, Did thanks. I can, thanks. Oh, <laughs> There we are. Okay. <laughs> sure. No, I was just saying, like, I just, I love and adore you. I think the the message and what you're doing and bringing to the world is amazing. And even just in the meditation you were doing right now, I could feel that, that you know, kind of inner space open up inside. And, and that's what it's all about, you know, so I'm excited to share the space with you. Uh, thank you. Well, I always like to begin, um, any you know conversation that I have for my podcast with a very personal story and you have such a powerful one about your recovery and I thought that would be a great topic for us to discuss because so many people are um, they have so much anxiety and they're they are recovering we are all recovering from something all the time I mean <laughs> and I just think you have a powerful story so I'd love for us to start there yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I want to kind of back go backwards a little bit in time to 2008. I was 32, and I had spent the previous decade in and out of clinical depression. When I was in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, and I was put on um, antidepressant medications one after another because I would take one, and a few months, you know, weeks or months would go by, and I would just notice like it was enough time for the medications to take effect, but I wasn't feeling any improvement. So the well-meaning doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists were, you know, working with me on different therapy methods and um, different medications to try and get something that would hit, that would work. But nothing, as, you know, a year or two went by, just nothing was working. And I found myself having higher anxiety and going to my doctor for that and being put on anti-anxiety medication. And that didn't seem to help. Like, you know, all of these medicines just kind of felt like they made me fall asleep or I couldn't focus. Like it just wasn't hitting the mark in what I needed to do. Um, and the depression was just growing because I felt like the way I think about it, it's like I had an inner black hole inside of myself that I just felt was this void that just sucked all of the life and all of the energy out of me. And I didn't know how to fill it. Um, and so because I was trying to fill this and trying to make myself feel better, what I, what I, my, the way that I was thinking at the time was, you know, I just need to find a perfect job. That's what's going to make me happy. Or I just need to get married. I need to fall in love. That's what's going to make me happy. Or I need to live in the perfect city and the perfect apartment. And when I have enough money, that's when I'm going to be happy. And so I always attach my happiness to something on the outside, something externally focused mm -hmm. that I thought would fix the way I felt on the inside. And so now looking back, I know that I was 
changing my job, changing my boyfriend, my, my situation on the outside, but I kept taking myself with me and recreating these same unhappy circumstances because I wasn't different on the inside. So, um, well, and isn't way- that, isn't that just the epitome of being a victim of your circumstances too? Like if you really think about it, like that's, that's the deeper idea of what it, that means. I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's like, we, we feel, um, that, Hey, Dina, I lost you. And what we're doing in our lives and how happy we can feel. We think we need something on the outside to change in order to be okay. But what I discovered, like after I hit my horrible rock bottom and climbed up out of there and discovering meditation, that's where everything started changing because I realized I was taking myself with me when I was changing all these situations. And that's why nothing was changing when, when that was the way that I was trying to fix everything. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and so then what happened after that? So um, so I was trying this, you know, changing jobs, changing boyfriends, changing cities, different medications, different anxiety medications, antidepressants. I even left work. I was working part-time at one time to go to depression groups and try and get this therapy underway. Um, and in my late 20s, I ended up in a new living situation. I was living in kind of a party house and nobody there was really active in addiction, but they liked to party and drink beer after work. And I found myself drinking beer after work and I really liked it. And after just a couple of weeks, I would notice that, you know, two o'clock, three o'clock at my work, I would, I would look forward to and count down when is it going to be five o'clock? I can go and have a glass of wine and have some beer. And I also met some uh, other new friends that like to go out and go to clubs and party. And I had just never done that all through college and my early twenties. I just, it just hadn't been my scene, but I think because this black hole was growing inside of myself, I was, um, you know, kind of, I had this desperation about me that I was looking to fill that void and alcohol took away those negative thoughts. I, I had, I felt cuter. I felt prettier. I felt more confident when I was drinking. So that became my solution. And after just a few weeks, I became a daily drinker. You know, I drink after work and in the evening times. And after just a few months, I became an around the clock drinker because I would overdo it in the evening and not be able to get out of bed unless I had a couple of drinks just to get out of bed. So I would usually have several drinks before I even left the house to go to work because I had such withdrawal, like I couldn't function unless I had alcohol in my bloodstream. That was what the addiction was for me. And so that's, that was, that became my life for those next couple of years. I had constant alcohol in my bloodstream. I would leave work at lunchtime and drink again because that withdrawal headache and hangover symptoms would start coming back. And so I was, I was extremely functional in my alcoholism. I was able to go to work. I rarely missed a day, um, but I was dying on the inside. And the worst part about it, Christine, like as my addiction, and I do not blame the alcohol, like of course this is all an inner journey, but as my addiction um, increased, the level of morality in my own self kind of um, – decreased. I was waking up up next to guys. I couldn't remember their name. I was 
overeating. I was drinking all the time. I was lying to all my friends. I was stealing money. You know, there was a, a point of time for probably at least six months. I couldn't look my own eyes in the mirror because I just had so much shame and self-hatred for what I was doing and what I was becoming. And that was what led to absolutely bottoming out in this, um, you know, becoming suicidal. I just did not feel that I was contributing positively to the world. I didn't know how to fix it. I felt I had tried everything. There's no way I could have quit drinking, although I knew I couldn't keep drinking and find solution for myself. So that's when I not, not just had a fantasy of, you know, it would, I would really be okay not waking up in the morning, but I planned a date to take my own life. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And, and that's when you really hit rock bottom, right? Like, so that's when you decided yeah. to make a change. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I didn't really intend for the healing that happened for me. I actually intended to kill myself. That was what I thought was the only way out. But it was a Sunday night and that Saturday, like, you know, five, six days later is when I planned the date for my suicide. And the reason that I put some time in between is because um, I wanted to, well, make sure that I had enough pills and stuff and to be able to take them and be able to kill, you know, effectively yeah. kill myself. And then also I didn't want anybody negatively impact impacted by my death. So I wanted to get everything in my in my apartment, at work, everything in order so that there wouldn't be any struggle when I left the world. Like I didn't want any, anybody impacted negatively. I felt like I had hurt enough people as it was and that was kind of my method. And so that Sunday night, because of the place of desperation I felt inside of myself, I didn't think I would make it to Saturday. Like it just felt too heavy. I wanted out now. And the thing that occurred to me, I said, you know what would make me feel a little bit better? And you're going to laugh when I say this, but the thing that I thought would make me feel better was to see what real drunks were like, because I didn't believe that I was an alcoholic. I I was completely in denial of that. I had no idea that this was an addiction. It was just kind of a, a temporary solution to my problem as I thought about it at the time. So I went, you know, I was living in Santa Monica in California, and there's a lot of support for addiction and addiction recovery. And there was an addiction recovery center within walking distance of my apartment. So I called and they said that, you know, people who weren't, you know, it was an open, open place that anybody who wasn't suffering from addiction, they could be part of the um, meetings and the gatherings too. So I went and I sat in the back and I just wanted to observe because I wanted to see how desperate and how horrible these other people's lives were to help me feel better about myself. But Chris, when I was sitting in the back in that meeting and people would go up to the front and share a little bit about their story. Like I remember one person sharing that they had never drove drunk. And I was like, are you kidding? I have to drive drunk in order to get to work. Wow. Like it's just that's that's how I functioned. And I couldn't understand that my experience was kind of like worse. You know, like I yeah. was driving drunk and they weren't, and they belonged in this room and I felt like I didn't. Wow. And yeah. So while I was sitting in the back, like in that room, these women, a little bit of older women than I was at the time, would come up to me. They didn't ask my name, they didn't ask me any questions. But my hair was completely covered in tears. I was just like silently crying in the back. And these women came up to me. They held my hands. They brushed my tear-stained hair out of my face. And they would just say, keep coming back. We promise it gets better. And one day Aww. after another. That makes um, me cry. I know. It was oh, my so, gosh. That is so it loving, so isn't powerful. it? It was the most loving thing that anyone could have done for me at the time. Yeah. 
Wow. And what was the name of that center? Uh, it was just a community place um, where people had uh, addiction recovery meetings. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. So it was more like just a, a community center, I guess, where they would have these, the, the group, all kinds of different groups gathered there. But one was the addiction recovery. And there was a really big presence in that center. So so, so then what happened? You, you decided to go into recovery at that point or... Well, it took me a while. I went to those meetings. Like when my date of my suicide rolled around, I had gone to at least one of those meetings every single day for those five or six days. And that Saturday, I thought, you know, I'm not ready to check out yet because there's something about the people in this room that I really like. And I said, you know, I don't have to kill myself today. I can just do it tomorrow. Like, I, that, that was, like, really, that was, my, that was how I was thinking about the time. So now, that's wisdom. Is, I hope you're all listening to that. <laughs> that was your true nature, your wisdom speaking to you, and you were listening. I love that. <laughs> You know, most people say, I, do, I don't have to drink today. You know, they take it one day at a time. For mm -hmm. me, it was, I don't have to kill myself today and just wow. take it one day at a time. But I'll tell you, I didn't quit drinking for three more months because wow. there was no way I could leave alcohol behind. And I wasn't ready to admit I was part of this group. All I wanted to do was just sit in the back. And every day I would say, is today the day? And I'd say, you know, I can always do it tomorrow. And that's literally what saved my life was, you know, wow. I can always just kill myself tomorrow. Wow. And yeah, three months into it, um, I was at the center, one of the meetings, and this woman spoke and told her story. She was beautiful. She was this cute little thing. She had her skinny jeans on, her cute little sweater, a cute little haircut. And there was like 80 people in this room. And I was not a public speaker. Like I would be terrified to go up there and speak to a room of 80 people. And um, she was just sitting so comfortably in her own skin, telling her story about her alcohol and heroin addiction and how happy and grounded she was today. And I thought to myself, like, wow, she's actually worse, quote unquote, you know, in my perception, her story was like worse than mine. And I couldn't believe that that was the woman sitting in front of me. And she inspired me so much. So I went up to her afterwards and I said, you know, I'm struggling here. I don't know what to do. Maybe we could talk sometime. And so when she and I first got together in our very first meeting, she told me, she goes, you're not ready to take step one in this program. Like you are just not ready to be in the program in the steps yet. What you need to learn to do is you need to learn to meditate. And I remember looking at her like, really? <laughs> that's your big answer. Like I'm supposed to sit still and like something magical is going to happen. You know, like I didn't believe it. I didn't believe her. I thought it was ridiculous. I, you know, I, I was like, I'm totally balked at her saying that. I was like, don't you think I should be beating on pillows with baseball bats or writing letters and burning them and not doing this stupid meditation? And Christine, she didn't even blink. She just looked at me and said, your way doesn't seem to be working. Why don't you try mine? And uh... I could like, I didn't have a comeback to that. I couldn't believe I didn't rattle her with my little objections. And I liked that about her. I liked that she didn't get rattled. So I agreed that I would start meditation. So her specific instruction to me was to sit still for 20 minutes and focus on my breathing every morning. And I didn't think it would do much of anything. Um, but I also thought I wanted to try it, you know, so the first few days, it was horrible because that's when I made the decision to quit drinking and I was in detox. I was in withdrawal. Oh. My body would shake and sweat and the negative thoughts. Like I physically and spiritually, emotionally could not sit still for more than three minutes at a time. But it would nag at me later in the day. Like all she did was tell you to meditate for 20 minutes. You can't even do that. So I'd say, all right, 
well, I did three. Maybe I can do 17 now, you know, like to round it out to 20. So I'd set my timer for that 17 minutes. Well, guess what? I maxed out at three and I would consistently max out at three. So I meditated, you know, like six, seven times a day in order to make the 20 minutes. And that was, I didn't know it at the time, but those short bursts of meditation were literally rewiring my brain and the way that I was thinking. And that was the basis and the foundation of all the transformation that took place from that moment on in my life. Wow, that's beautiful. Now, have you learned about the science of that? Yeah, I actually love to learn about the neuroscience of it. Like when I um, wrote my book, I wanted to have kind of a, a scientific grounded voice inside of it. And so I interviewed Dr. Bruce Lipton, who wrote the book, The Biology of Belief. He's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And I told him, I said, listen, um, I've had these breakthroughs in healing from it. Of course, I went through the addiction recovery program, but the meditation was the basis of every step I took in that addiction recovery program. So the meditation was kind of the foundation that I built everything on. And I had extremely, um, uh, extreme healing, like a complete transformation in terms of addiction, not only to alcohol, but the food addictions I developed. I was able to lose weight easily, rewire my relationship with food, um, transform the relationships with not only the people at work, but the people in my family and the people in my, my friends. Like everything was changing based on where I would focus my mind in these meditations. And half of me was worried he would just laugh at me and say, you know, I don't think this is anything effective. You're just kind of weird over there with your low beliefs. Like, I wasn't sure what he would think about me. Um, but he said, he said, you know what, Dina? That is probably one of the most effective things you could possibly do is because you are, you know, we all have these subconscious tapes, this subconscious program. We have 60, 80,000 thoughts every single day. And when we can constantly and consistently interrupt that subconscious programming, we set ourselves up to ch change the way that we are thinking and everything starts in our thoughts and in our beliefs because our mind connects, you know, connects us emotionally, the physical, the body, the spirit. When we focus in a certain way, we are able to get in touch with what I call our inner source of power, peace, and wisdom, the voice of our intuition. And when we start following that rather than, you know, the rote, thoughts in our head, that thought that says, I'm never going to be able, I'm not worth anything. I'm never going to be able to lose weight. I'm never going to make any money. Like those thoughts are not helping us and are actually miscreating in the world that we want to be having. So when we can interrupt that subconscious programming and literally rewire in our brains, like you, you've seen those videos with um, the neural pathways uh, being rewired. It takes like, I don't know, 20 seconds or something for a focus of a thought to be able to literally be able to be reflected in the brain. So that's what I was learning from Bruce Lipton is that this is rewiring the way the neural pathways are firing in my brain and therefore by extension um, impacting the reality that I'm having in my life. And so he really backed up and believed in these short little bursts of focus of meditation to be able to recreate the way that we think and to um, have that measurable change in our lives. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. so amazing that you discovered that and that, you know, you practiced it and, and it worked. And that's why I really wanted to have you on is because I think there's so much, um, people have like this idea about meditation that, that it can, it is hard to sit for 20 minutes. I mean, it's hard for me to sit for 20 minutes and I, I do it 
I practice TM and it, it's challenging mm. sometimes you just you, to sit that long. And, and you're saying you don't have to sit that long. And I love that because for the new meditator, especially, or even for a seasoned meditator, this is, um, this is so much more doable in our culture too. And with that, I'd love for you to just lead us through a, one of your three by three meditations, one of your favorite ones, that would be great for um, our listeners to experience you and then to be able to go to your website. I know you have some downloadable things on your website, don't you? Yeah, I have a whole ton, actually, like 50 or 60 of them of those guided little three minute meditations. And I sell them for just 99 cents right now because I want people to be able to, yeah, I want people to be able to access them if they find them helpful. So, you know, like I usually meditate without a guided audio because that's how I learned to meditate. That's how I started. But for a lot of people, it's a great jumpstart to be able to be guided through it um, at, you know, as you go, as you build your practice. So. Yeah, so just to remind you, Dina's website is www.madlychasingpeace.com. And so after we do this and you feel like you would like to have some of these to practice, you can go to her website and, and, um, and grab those. So let's go ahead. Go ahead and lead us, Dina. Okay. Okay, great. The one I feel inspired to share with you guys is um, I call it brain massage. Sometimes it feels like we have a mild headache from all those negative thoughts and it's almost like an itch you can't scratch. You wish you could just kind of get in there and, you know, mush around your brain and rewire everything the way that it's supposed to be. And so that's kind of the idea behind what I call brain massage. So, you know, take a minute if you need to rearrange the way that you're sitting and get yourself into a comfortable, relaxed position. Just take a second and shift your body and let yourself feel supported. Wherever you're sitting right now, let your body, your head, your neck feel absolutely supported. There's no effort you need to put forth right now. Just feel any tension just drip right out of your body. You are melting right into the couch or the chair or the bed or the floor which is completely supporting you for these couple of minutes. And so I invite you to imagine, one of my favorite things when I go and get my hair cut is when they wash my hair and give me a head massage. And so just imagine that you are relaxing backwards into these amazingly powerful, light, strong hands. You can think of them as the hands of God or the fingers of the universe holding your head and supporting yourself right now and gently massaging your head. So just these these white light fingers, these hands of God, the fingers of the universe, gently massaging your head right now, letting yourself find total and complete absolute relaxation, trusting these hands and what they're guided to do. And because these hands are of the universe and divinely designed. They are not stopped by any physical factors. So they're able to reach not only through your head, but right into your brain. And so this massage is happening and that itch that you can't scratch is being wonderfully soothed right now as these fingers go in and massage through your brain 
rearranging what needs to be rearranged and bringing fresh light and energy to the basis of your mind and your thoughts. And so just for a couple breaths, just feel that massage happening right now. Feeling and trusting 100% these hands of light know exactly what they're doing. You have to do nothing but just accept that they're doing their work. Feeling lightness and freshness and ease throughout your brain, throughout your body, and throughout every dimension of your being. And so taking another deep breath and feeling, you know, let yourself feel when the massage feels complete. And when it feels complete for right now, you can let those divinely guided hands gently rest on the top of your head one more time, just feeling their warmth and wisdom infiltrating. And when it feels complete, let the hands gently release. Take another deep breath in and anchor in that transformation. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and return your attention into the room. Mm. Wow, that felt so nice. Thank mm. you so much. Oh. <laughs> I'm so glad. I know. It's one of my favorites. I love oh, that. my gosh. Yeah, that's an amazing. Wow. That was even just listening, you know, keeping your voice on the peripheral. It just was so calming and relaxing. And <laughs> yeah, love that, Dina. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm, of course. So just to sort of recap, you know, like, um, again, like I felt that your story was so powerful for people who not even if you're not feeling like you need to be in recovery. You know, I'm even thinking of for myself, um, one of the things, you know, like I, I would love to lose like 10 pounds right now just because I'm in menopause and, you know, I've, I've gained some weight and it, and it's not that I'm fat or anything. I just don't feel like myself. Right. So mm. one of the things that I realized is that I, you know, start my day with a really amazing amount of resolve to, you know, to be healthy and to make healthy choices and I do all day long and then I hit sometime around four o'clock in the afternoon and I, I get super hungry and that's when I've decided to do a meditation you know because that mm. at that time I'm less likely from four o'clock to nine o'clock to be as disciplined and you know and again like in menopause it's it becomes very you know women who are at this stage we know like it's it's all about, you know, really rewiring some things and changing, just a, tweaking a few little habits. And they have to be fine-tuned because I'm telling you, I'm so disciplined all day. And I'm not even, I'm not even undisciplined at that time, but I have to, in order to, you know, kind of shift this thing that's going on in my body with my metabolism, I have to really be um, super disciplined. So anyways, I'm just saying that because that's what I've discovered in my own life is is there's a a little bit of a weak link for me at that time of day and meditation's mm -hmm. really helping me and so even if it's something like that and it's not really like you're not having an addiction recovery but you just want to tweak and just shift you know some area of your life you know calm down you know relax more go into a you know a deeper relaxation mode 
this is a great tool. And so what else do you have to say about that in closing, Dina? You know, it's, it's, I love what you're sharing about your journey because it really is about the way that you think. When I quit drinking, I started eating and I went up two sizes. It was like this fake weight that didn't belong on my body. Uh-huh. And I used the meditation to be able to focus in such a way that I got in tune with what the cells in my body were calling for. And I was able to lose seven of those pounds in 10 days. Like my body just didn't need it and it just melted off my body. So when my mindset shifted, the physical result was just, very quick. So you're, I love what you're saying because you're right. It's the way that we focus on what we think about. It doesn't have to be a discipline. It doesn't have to be a willpower. It doesn't have to be a motivation. It can be from a place of pure inspiration, right. you know? Yeah. 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 Really good. Yeah. So anyways, I just want to thank you so much, Dina, for coming on and for sharing mm-hmm. your three by three meditation and your story. It's such a powerful story. And I know everyone listening has really enjoyed um, hearing you, and I want to remind you again that you can find Dina at www.madlychasingpeace.com, and be sure and pick up her book too. So, thanks, Dina, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Chris, so much. So much love to you, and um, for everybody listening in. Thank you so much. All right, come back again. Thanks for listening to the meditation and mindfulness series on the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with Christine Carlson. Chris has a free gift to offer you, the guide to the golden pause. Just as every podcast begins, you can experience your own golden pause every day. This simple guide can be found at christinecarlson.com forward slash golden pause guide. Download it now and make the golden pause a routine part of your busy schedule.